I mentioned a couple of weeks ago how the Psalms, these 150 God songs, are actually grouped together into five books. I don't know if you've noticed that uh, as you've read through, see book one, book two, book three. And it's good to pay attention to why things are gathered in Scripture, because they speak to us just the way they are put together. There was a lot of well, it was Holy Spirit inspired, wasn't it? The reason why they're put together. But uh, Phil Moore has written a brilliant commentary on the Psalms. I highly recommend it. And in it, he suggests that you can think of Book 1, which is Psalm 1 to 41, as all about having faith in God's character. It's all about understanding the character of God. Book 2, Psalm 42 to 72, is all about submitting to God even in the really tough, hard times, in those difficult times, it's like, God, I still trust you. Book three, Psalm 73 to 89, it's all about being honest with God. It's raw, it's real life. Book four, Psalm 92, 106, it's all about trusting God's plans for your life. Trusting that he sees the bigger picture, even if you don't. We can trust his plans. And book five, which is Psalm 107 to 150, it's all about how we're going to respond then. It's the so what. It's the how are we going to worship? How are we going to respond to the God who's so beautifully and poetically described and revealed in the Psalms? So this week is our last week in book one, if you like. And we come to possibly the, the best loved, certainly the best known of the Psalms, and that's Psalm 23. Often the Psalm that's picked for funerals. It's the Psalm that gives comfort. It's the Psalm that we dip into when we're feeling anxious or facing a trial. But I'd like to suggest that this Psalm is, is more about just comfort at the end of life It is a psalm all about how we should live our life now. So let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an amazing truth. What an amazing comfort. So familiar. We've probably sung it numerous times. We've probably read it even more. But I really believe, as I've been going through this psalm this week, that it contains a pivotal call for us as God's people as we enjoy our first Sunday here in this place. And God's already been saying the same message 
to us throughout our worship. I love the way God speaks to us through worship. He speaks to us through his words. But basically, it's this call for our continued total dependence on Jesus Christ, our shepherd, in the months and years to come. It's that total dependence. You know, human nature has a habit of drifting back to independence and self-sufficiency. Like, I know it in my own life. You know, it's often ever so subtle. The thing is, when you are desperate for God to break through in your life, when you're desperate for, for a healing, when you're desperate to see God save a loved one, when you're desperate for God to give you a building, it, it, it can throw you onto him. There's a sense of desperation. There's a sense of dependence on him. The thing is, when God does actually move, when God does actually break through, when we do receive that healing, when God does actually amazingly give us a building, yes, there can be a time of celebration and thanksgiving, but so often... There's that drift back to self-sufficiency, back to our agenda, back to our programs. And this sense of desperation, this sense of total dependency on God can fade a little bit. And so, you know, as, as the words that have been coming through our worship this morning have already said, I believe God is simply wanting to state to us that you need to continue to be dependent on me. This psalm teaches us that we never stop being his sheep. And he never stops being our shepherd. Sheep are always dependent on the shepherd to guide them, to protect them, to lead them to, to food and water. I don't know if you've noticed, sheep never graduate to being shepherdless. You never have the mature ewes, you know, well, they don't need the shepherd. They've, they've, they've matured enough. No, they're always dependent on the shepherd. And again, so right at the start of the season, I really feel we need to declare something to to God, to the heavenlies, and say, Jesus, we need you. We need you to continue to guide us. We need you to continue to feed us and nourish us and strengthen us and anoint us and empower us in your Holy Spirit, in this new pasture that you've brought us into. The Lord is my shepherd. A great thing to declare. The Lord is my shepherd. It takes great humility to say that. And David said that with true humility. Some people think, assume that he wrote this psalm as a naive teenager lying in the grassy fields without a care in the world. His only responsibility was a small bunch of sheep. Actually, most commentators suggest that he wrote this later on in his life. A life that had seen a lot of trials. He'd faced literally his Goliaths. He had been persecuted. He had been pursued. He was facing family troubles. And yet, even as the great king of Israel, the mightiest king Israel had ever seen, this king still said, 
I am a sheep that is totally dependent on my shepherd, on my Lord. Centuries later, of course, Jesus would come and describe his followers as sheep. To Peter, he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. When he looked on the people in Jerusalem, he had compassion for them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. God's heart is always to shepherd his people. That's his heart, to to lead them, to guide them, to nourish them, to protect them. On the Sermon on, on the Mount, he describes his listeners as little flock. It's a term of endearment, but there's so much truth wrapped up in that. Little flock, little flock. He wants to care for his little flock. You say, well, what about when Jesus sent out the 72? He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Or Luke actually says like lambs among wolves. How irresponsible is that? How foolhardy. But of course, they weren't alone. They went with the authority and the anointing Of Jesus himself. The shepherd in effect was going out with them. Yes we might be sheep. But what a shepherd we have. What a shepherd we have. That's what we've got to think all the time. As we start something new. Yes we are sheep. But what a shepherd we have. Keep that picture in your mind. And it's this total dependence. On God. His shepherd that was the hallmark of of David's life. And it was a dependence that was forged by his own experience of being a shepherd. As a young man out on the hills, as he testified to Saul in 1 Samuel before facing Goliath, he said this. He said, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Sorry, He will rescue me from this Philistine. He will rescue me from this Philistine. He didn't say... Saul, I'm a pretty good shot with this sling. You know, I've got a great track record. I've slain lions. I've slain bears. This Goliath chap, he's nothing. No, his confidence was not in his own abilities. His confidence was totally in his God. God rescued me then. God will rescue me now. And it's a dependency that he carried right the way through his life. From being a young soldier, to being a military leader, to being king of Israel. Totally dependent on God. And that must have been hard. I mean, think about it. As he was gaining more and more recognition and more and more success, you got that passage in Samuel where they're saying, you know, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. How easy it must have been for him to go, actually, you know what? I'm quite a leader, aren't I? I'm a bit of a warrior. That's right, I have slain my tens of thousands. How easy would it have been for him to start believing the hype? Start saying, actually, I have got here because I'm pretty good. And again, the danger for us as a church is this whole lie that we've arrived. We haven't arrived, we're on the journey. A wonderful, amazing journey. But our confidence is in the God who is continuing to lead us. The shepherd who never stops being our shepherds. 
And David didn't let this go to his head. You know, I used to, some of you know, I used to be in the music industry. And I, I used to see literally egos grow as they got more and more recognition, as these artists got more and more record sales, as they started to headline at these huge venues, they started to believe all the praise and their egos just got out of control. But with David, it was different. And this is where the Psalms are so helpful because they're so honest and so relieving. I mean, one of many in Psalm 143, David says, this is the successful king, the enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. I love that phrase. I hide myself in you. The king of Israel saying, I hide myself in you. That's a very big reason why he was known as a man after God's own heart. Because he knew where his dependence lay. That's true maturity, isn't it? Immaturity is when you get puffed up with your own sense of self-importance, when it's all about you. You get so easily offended when you get overlooked or slighted because it's all about you. True maturity is when you are honest and acknowledge your own total dependence on God, your own insecurities, your own inadequacies, but also acknowledge the total and complete sufficiency of the shepherd. And again, as we enter this new season, you know, my prayer is that every single one of us will be able to declare, God, my life only works when I'm walking it with you. My life only works when I'm walking it with you. When we realize our own inadequacies and recognize Jesus' total sufficiency. The Lord is my shepherd. And throughout Psalm 23, we, we see David reflect some key areas where he's saying my dependency lies. And um, another commentator, Warren Wiersbe, who I love, he writes really devotionally. He's been, uh, he's been around for years. But he actually points out that key characters of God, names of God that God has given himself to reveal his character to us are clearly reflected throughout this psalm. So if we could just put that up, there we go. So we've got here Jehovah Jireh, our provider. David says, yes, I, I shall not want. The Lord is my provider. We've got Jehovah Shalom, our peace. David says, He restores my soul. Sorry, he leads me beside still waters. You know, this is a guy who's been pursued. He leads me beside still waters. He is Jehovah Rophe, our healer. He says he restores or heals my soul. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. David says he leads me in paths of righteousness. I will fear no evil because, God, you are my righteousness. You are my righteousness. We've got Jehovah Shammah, which is the God who is there. It's David's experience. He says, for you are with me. For you are with me. Of course, one of the names given to Jesus was Emmanuel. God with us. He is not some distant shepherd. He is with his flock. He is God with us. We've got Jehovah Nissi, our banner. 
the one in whose name and in whose authority that we stand and fight, the one under whose protection we stand. The Lord is my banner. David says, you prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. And then we have Jehovah Mekodesh, which is the God who sanctifies. He says, you anoint my head with oil. I I recognize I'm not my own. I am yours. You've set me apart. You anoint my head with oil. I think you could say that David knew his shepherd pretty well. He knew his God so well. And I just want to pick up on three of these areas in the time we've got left and then try and attempt to tie it all together at the end. We'll see how it goes. But firstly, David was dependent on his shepherd for his provision. He knew God as Jehovah Jireh. I shall not want. You know, one of the hallmarks of our culture is the demand for more and more stuff. We now have more self-storage units in the UK than we have coffee shops, believe it or not. We actually have more self-storage units in the UK than all of Europe put together. It's staggering. We love our stuff. And when we don't have enough room for it, it's fine. We'll just put it into storage and make room for more stuff. We, we, it's so easy to get caught into this cycle of need. I, I've got to have the latest dot, dot, dot. And uh, a guy called... Oliver James, who's a a psychologist, he wrote a book, I might have mentioned it before, but he wrote a book, it's got a great title, it's called Affluenza, and he writes about this contagious disease to want to be more and more affluent, and he's done masses of research around the world, and he, he points out that our desire for more has resulted in huge increases in depression and anxiety amongst millions globally. This desire for more. He says in this book, Affluenza, our identity has increasingly become associated with products. And not just the the mortgage and the car, but smaller items. He says this, we've confused who we are with what we have. This is a secular psychologist saying our identity has switched from being who we are into what we have. And of course, it doesn't just have to be possessions. You know, we can have this insatiable hunger for success or position or one-upmanship or or just just recognition or a sense of approval. This, This hunger to be recognized I need to be liked. I need to be recognized. I need to have my voice heard. The thing is, all of this, it's all caused by sheep following sheep. Other sheep telling you, this is what you need. You go, yeah, that's what I need. David is saying, as for me, I am going to follow the shepherd. Because he and he alone knows what I really need. I shall not want. It's more of a heart attitude, really, isn't it? I shall not want. It's more of a heart attitude than a statement of circumstances. Secondly, David was dependent on his shepherd for rest. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. And, and again, just try and get out of your head the, the sort of image of a, of a young teenage shepherd boy lying in the grass without a care in the world. Now this, as I said, most people think actually he was written, written this psalm when he was being pursued by Absalom, his son. How bad can it get? Your very own family hunting you down. And yet he can say, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the one who gives me peace. You are the one who is never rushed. Who is never taken by surprise. I think it's true to say that people who trust in their own abilities are usually the most worn out and exhausted. And if I'm really honest here, this is the biggest battle that I face. To rest and not keep going in my own strength and under my own steam and in my own ability. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I really, really struggle with this one. And God's really been working on me, certainly for the last few years, I think. But I've been pondering reasons why people burn themselves out. And I've kind of boiled it down to to four key reasons. There's probably others, but these are the four that I felt God give me. Firstly, people get led to be burnt out and and just to utter exhaustion because they, they, they want to gain stuff. As I said, they don't think they have enough. You work hard because you don't think you have enough. Secondly, it could be to gain approval. I want to look good to my boss or to everyone else. I want to be seen to to be working really hard. Basically, what you're saying is you don't think you are enough. You have to, to work to prove yourself. Thirdly, it may be because you don't trust others to get the job done. You constantly need to add your bit. Bottom line, what you're saying is, I don't think others are enough. And the fourth reason that I felt God say it's because you feel guilty unless you are busy. Being busy makes you feel worthy. It makes you feel, particularly if you're a Christian, well, God will be pleased with me. Look at all I'm doing for him. The bottom line is what you're actually saying is you don't believe Jesus was enough. You don't believe his sacrifice on the cross was enough. You have to add to it with your works. Whichever way you look at it, I don't think I have enough. I don't think I am enough. I don't think you're enough. I don't think Jesus is enough. They're not very good reasons, are they, to be exhausted and burnt out. And I think God's just speaking to me and speaking to all of us. We need to trust him enough to rest. Trust the shepherd to lead you to to beside still waters. Sheep can't drink from fast-flowing water. They need to have still water. We need to trust our God to lead us. To still waters. The thing which I'm learning though is that as we stay close to the shepherd, even in crazy busy times, as Claire mentioned, I mean, this season as a church, it's been crazily busy. 
This whole renovation and moving in, it has been manic. But even during those crazy periods, we can know a deep peace. We can know a a shalom, a divine godly order, if we stay close to the shepherd. And I've I've experienced that. My personal testimony is certainly after the, the... The last few months, despite all the manicness, I've known a a deep peace. I've known a deep refreshing from God. I've known his strength to carry me through. The secret is we've got to stay close to the shepherd. You know, this, this picture of a shepherd guiding his flock. It's not a European shepherd, okay? We're not talking about a whistle and, and dogs biting at our ankles. And I don't know if you've ever seen, what was that, one man and his dog? Is that still on telly now? There was this kind of, thankfully, there was this weird thing my dad used to watch and, um, about shepherding, sheep herding trials. And all I used to see is these panic-stricken sheep with these dogs yapping at their their hind legs, running around from place to place, looking terrified. That's not the picture we're talking about here. Middle Eastern shepherd never drove their sheep. Historically, they always led their sheep, either in front or alongside. Because these flocks used to have to travel miles to get to places of vegetation, get to places of water. And so they needed to make sure that no one was left behind. You know, from the oldest ewe to the youngest lamb, that they made it, that they went at the right pace. They stopped at the right time. And, and folks, we need to listen to our shepherd as he prompts us to rest. I hope this summer period, you know, we're, we're going to get some rest. We're dialing down some of the church events. You know, let, take this opportunity to get some rest. Because the thing is, when we actually rest we're making a huge statement that God is God and we are not (laughs) you know as Jesus said you know the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath God knows we need rest he doesn't he's God but we do and my prayer is particularly through this summer season that we're coming into that that God will help your brain to just shut out All the stuff that makes you anxious. As you just hand it to him, the good shepherd. Hand to him all the stuff that you're worried about, that you're concerned about. Come close to the shepherd. Allow him to lead you to those still waters and get refreshed. Maybe you need some refreshing this morning. There'll be an opportunity to pray for you later on. Thirdly, David is dependent on God for his righteousness. God is Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm saying it confidently because I haven't a clue how to pronounce it. But if you say it confidently, people go, oh, that's how you say it. Silent T. And I want to spend a little bit more time on this. Because really, the only reason we can say the Lord is my shepherd... Is because of what David prophetically describes in the psalm before, in Psalm 22. As I said, the psalms are gathered together, grouped together for a reason. And Psalms 22, 23 and 24 are a wonderful trilogy about Jesus. 
Wonderful trilogy about Jesus. Psalm 22. David is basically describing Jesus dying for his sheep. Psalm 23, as we've just read out, it's all about Jesus shepherding and living for his sheep. Psalm 24, it's all about Jesus ruling and reigning victorious. And one day will return for his sheep. So you dip into the Psalms, look around, why are they grouped together? It gives you a real insight. And so just before this wonderful tranquility of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I I shall lack nothing. Psalm 22 kicks off with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, the very quotes that Jesus shouted out on the cross as the Son of God, the Righteous One, took all our sin and shame upon himself. The one who knew no sin, becoming sin for us, and for the first time in his experience was separated from the Father. He quoted Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was saying, just, just making a recognition, yes, I am this shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And David goes on to basically describe the crucifixion. Verse 16, David says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Remember, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, they were taunting him. He can save others, but he can't save himself. David was prophetically reflecting that thousand years before. Amazing. Again, verse 18, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Incredible reflection on Jesus, the good shepherd, laying his life down for his sheep. Isn't it amazing? The shepherd himself becoming the lamb of God who was slain. The shepherd himself. Wonderful Psalm 22 finishes with, He has done it. And of course, the final words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished. It was done completely. Victory was won. If you ever feel indignant about being called a sheep, just remember that Jesus was prepared to be the sacrificial lamb for you. So as we reflect on Psalm 23, Never forget that Psalm 22 goes before it. Never forget Psalm 22 had to go before it. The reason we lack for nothing, the reason we can be confident even in the presence of our enemies is because Jesus, our shepherd, gave his life for us on the cross. You know, David talks about the shepherd's rod and his staff. You know, a shepherd's rod was was more like a club. It was a lethal weapon to beat off predators. And the cross was our shepherd's rod. It was the decisive, final, lethal blow to every power and principality that sets itself up against God. It was the decisive, lethal blow against sin, hell and death once and for all. That is why we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death without fear because death was defeated. 
God's perfect love that he demonstrated on that cross drives out all fear. This is why we can sing with confidence Psalm 23. Because of what God did through his son on the cross. You know, we worship a God who knows literally what it means to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We worship a God who literally knows what it means to walk through wilderness periods. Jesus obviously walked through the wilderness. He knew what it was like to hunger. He knew what it was like to thirst. He knew what it was like to face temptation. And yet how did our shepherd get through the wilderness? Two keys. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of the word of God. It's back to word and spirit again, isn't it? You know, we're told in Scripture he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Do you know God can lead you into wilderness periods? The same way the shepherd can lead us into ravines and valleys. But we can trust the shepherd. The Bible also tells us that Jesus returned from the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. While he was in the wilderness, he defeated Satan and all the temptations that came his way by the word of God. And folks, this is still the way that, as David said, he leads me on paths of righteousness. This is still how we are led by being full of the word of God and full of the Holy Spirit. This is how he leads us in paths of righteousness. We can confidently trust our shepherd to lead us. He's gone before us. He knows the terrain. He knows the terrain. You know, Middle Eastern shepherds didn't have it easy. That's actually, I think that's just, um, yes, it's in Judea somewhere. But, you know, they, they, they have to operate in a sun-scorched land, mountainous regions. There's very little vegetation. There's very little water. So they need to know where to look. They need to know this land like the back of their hand. They need to know the terrain to lead them to these places of pasture, to these places of still water. And often, as I said, through dark valleys. Maybe you feel like you're in a bit of a dark valley at the moment. And you're thinking, God, where are you? What are you doing? You know what? God often puts us through testing times before provision comes. The sheep have to go through these dark valleys before they get to God's provision. In fact, Jehovah Jireh, as some will know, the very first time God reveals, him, uh, reveals himself as your provider was when Isaac, Abraham's son, was just about to be sacrificed and God provides a ram. I am your provider, Jehovah Jireh. There was a test there, wasn't there? Before provision came. And maybe for some of you, you feel like you're going through a valley. Trust the shepherd. Stay close to the shepherd. He will lead you through. Because in times, valley times, wilderness times, we get thrown on the shepherd. And God uses those times to help us get closer to him. Trust the shepherd. He will lead you to provision. He knows what you need. It begs the question, how does anyone navigate this life without knowing the shepherd? 
Do you know the shepherd this morning? Do you know his voice? Do you know his guidance? If you do, the next question is, how closely are you walking with the shepherd? Have you allowed a bit of distance to get between you and he? Have you found an attractive, enticing ravine to explore? Can I encourage you, get back to the shepherd. He knows where the still waters are. He knows where the green pastures are. David says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, you know, that that word follow is better translated pursue or to chase. That's actually what that word means. You know, it's not as if, you know, God, looking over your shoulder, I hope you're there. I hope your goodness will one day catch up with me. No, no, this is about God's mercy and God's love. Whatever situation you are in, whoever you are, his goodness and his mercy will hound you down. David was being pursued by Absalom, but he knew that God's grace and his mercy and his love would pursue him even harder. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me. Track me down all the days of my life. There is no escape from the shepherd's love. No ravine too deep. No desert too dry. And surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wonderful. This relationship with the shepherd is not a temporal one. Jesus in John 10 said, I'm not a hired hand here. Who, who scarpers at the first sign of, of hardship or danger. I'm, I'm in this for the long run. I'm committed to my sheep forever. On Thursday night when we were praying in the rear lounge, it's nice to have a building, isn't it? We were just praying in our rear lounge on Thursday night as a worship and AV team. And uh, I think it was Michaela reminded us that orphan kids, when they're asked what would they really like, The usual response is, I dream about having a forever family, a forever home. And church, we have been adopted into God's forever family, into his forever fold. It's a diverse, crazy, wonderful, growing family. Revelation 7 gives a wonderful picture of a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Listen to this. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He never stops being our shepherd. Even in splendour, as God wraps up all things, He is still the Lamb at the centre of the throne who is still our shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the future hope that we we can enjoy today. This isn't just a comforting psalm for the end of life. This is a psalm for people who are are dealing with real battles, who are carrying real burdens. It's a cry to look to the shepherd. Whoever you are, wherever you are, God is calling you to trust the shepherd. Hebrews 13.20 
calls him the great shepherd. 1 Peter 5, 4, the chief shepherd. As I'd already mentioned in, in John 10, Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. He's saying this, this shepherd that David was singing about in the Psalms, this shepherd that Isaiah and Ezekiel and others prophesied about, this is me. This is me. I am the good shepherd, he says. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them in also. Isn't that wonderful? This is a growing fold. If you are not a Christian here this morning, you have a shepherd who is calling you into his fold. That same passage, Jesus said, I am the gate into this fold. Again, Middle Eastern shepherds would literally lie, sleep across the small gap into the sheep pen. They would literally be the gate. Jesus is saying, I am the gate. Come through me. I alone can help you navigate through this life. I alone know the terrain. I alone can give you eternal hope, eternal peace. Eternal life. Jesus goes on in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. This is the eternal hope that we have. Present hope, future hope. That we can enjoy now. So really just to wrap this up. As we start this wonderful, incredible, God-given season. Let's start it by declaring our total and complete dependence on Jesus Christ our shepherd. On his provision. On his anointing. On his continued guidance. Leading us forward. And on his ability to help us rest in him. And I just want us to reflect on this. So in a few moments we're just going to play a song hopefully. That has been ministering to me for quite a while. It's a modern reflection on Psalm 23. But as it plays, just use this wherever you are at. Maybe you're going through a valley season. Just say, God, I want for nothing. Because I know that you are all I need. If you're burnt out at the moment, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, lead me to those still waters. I need to feel that refreshing from your Holy Spirit today. If you feel far from the shepherd, if you've allowed wants and needs to get in your way, why don't you just repent quietly before God and say, God, you are all that I need. Let's just respond to God personally as this song plays now. And then we'll come and pray for each other afterwards. Fear of how 
Jesus, we acknowledge your total sufficiency. We also acknowledge our complete and total dependency on you to provide for us, to protect us, to lead us, to empower us for all that you've called us to be and to do as you've rooted us in this new pasture in the centre of the borough of Sutton. We thank you that we lack for nothing because you are with us. And it's with great thankfulness and great confidence that we say to you, our shepherd, lead us on. Lead us on. Amen. Amen.